0: You're listening to Connect Communities podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. The title of my message today is "Get Your Mind Right." Get your mind right. We're continuing this series title, "Facing Your Demons" because we all face, we all come into into connection. We all come face to face with that part of what, of part of us that we don't really like. And when we do that, we call, we call that facing our demons. So I'm, I'm, I, we try to overcome things. We try to overcome difficulties, but we don't like that part of us. We don't want to see that part of us. And many, many times we avoid it. We avoid any connection. We avoid any confrontation uh, because we don't really want to have to Work through the process, but I'm going to help you today. We're helping you to work through the process and helping identify. This is one of the reasons this series we have, we have to help identify uh, what kind of obstacle you're facing, right? We're spiritual beings, and sometimes we try to solve things in the natural and it doesn't work, and you, and you can just work and try to try and try and try and then. And, and then you see no success, you see no advancement, you see no progress. And you wonder, man, there's got to be something wrong with me. But the reason why we're sharing with you this, this week is, is because some problems are spiritual. And they're of a spiritual nature. And you have to see them from, with the spiritual eyes. And there are three areas that, that you can be affected in the spirit. One area is your mind, your thought life. That's what we're gonna talk about today. The second area is there could be what we call uh, in, in old school church generational curses. There could be some things that some, some type of things that 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 the enemy has been working for a long time in your family. And you can't even see it because you've been in it. And so we need the Spirit of God to see those things and come out of those things and and, and, and freed our family from our generation on, so that our children. Don't have to face that. And then there's a third area, which is right on evil spirits. And we all know that, right? We all know that there's evil in the world. So we're going to be talking about that in the coming weeks. But today, I want to talk about your thought life. I want to talk about your mind. What are you trying to overcome? What is something that you might be trying to overcome right now in your life? We all have things that we try to overcome. Maybe what you're trying to overcome right now is anxiety. These months secluded, isolating, which seems like we're on this wave and this roller coaster. right? No masks, masks, inside, outdoors, indoors. Gatherings are okay now, not okay anymore. Should I go? Should I not go? Let me stay by myself. That can produce so much anxiety, sadness, so much loss. Maybe debt, maybe your finances were affected in the last two years and 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 you 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 look at you don't even want to see it but when you look at it it just brings you sadness because you're facing such amount of financial problems maybe you had a tough breakup maybe you have you've had a relationship problem whatever it is the first battleground space the first battleground you will have is in your mind it always starts in your mind your thought life you might have circumstances that exist outside of you But it starts in your mind. So today I want to talk about overcoming strongholds in your mind. When I lived in Texas uh, for four years, while we lived in Houston, Texas, I worked as an IT consultant. So uh, part of the job was to service companies and offices, and 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 I spent my time in that room in an office that nobody goes into, which is called the server room—just a bunch of noise and computers and wires. Uh, that was uh, the place that I spent most of my time. And back in those days, uh, they didn't have the cloud, right? All the files existed in the servers locally. So one of the big problems that we faced uh, as ITs, as technicians, is viruses, a lot of viruses Uh, in those days, and people were not aware of them, so it would not be impossible or or it would not be uncommon for you to see an unsuspecting user to just compromise the entire network because they clicked on something, downloaded something they thought was good, and it ended up affecting everything in the network because they got some viruses in their computers that ended up in the server, and then now all computers are compromised. The same is true with our minds. We can download thoughts. We can download ideas. We can download even feelings that appear to be good. That seem to soothe our soul in the moment. But later they end up compromising our entire mode of thinking. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in a mindset that is not productive. is not good. Is not, it's not moving us forward, but it's holding us back. And the pervasive thing about a computer virus. Is that depending on how complex the computer virus is, it can entrench itself in everything in the operating system. And you might have to end up deleting everything and starting everything uh, from scratch, all the install. And, and, but sometimes the files corrupt everything where the computer can work just enough. It's not working to its optimal capacity. If anybody has have had a Windows XP, I'm going way back here, guys. Or, or one of those older computers, and you go like, my computer is working so slow. It's so slow. It's probably because there's some files there that are that have corrupted the operating system, right? And the same is true with negative thinking. That 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 the thinking that sometimes is downloaded. it, it it's not that you can't produce. You're producing. You're moving along. You're carrying relationships, but you're not operating to the optimal capacity that God has designed you to operate. You're not functioning in the best way possible. So instead of being a grateful person, you become a grumpy person. You don't even know why. Instead of being a believing person, you become a cynic. You don't believe anything anymore. Instead of seeing the best in people, you become suspicious of everyone. Instead of being full of joy, peace, hope, you become a person who is facing sadness, you're all worried all the time, and you, you don't really see anything beyond today. There's no hope. There's no sense of, yeah, we're moving forward. What happened? Most likely, you downloaded a pattern of thinking that infected your mode of thinking, your mind. And it became a stronghold. And maybe just like that old computer, you're able to do a few things, but you're not functioning optimally. Let me tell you something today. God wants to free your mind. He wants your mind to be free. He wants you to function to the best of your ability so that you can live in the life that he has called you to live. If you're dealing with disappointment today, if you're dealing with regret, maybe you're burdened with something that has happened to you. And you thought, you would have been so much better if I hadn't made those mistakes. My life could have been so much better. I would have been so much further ahead. And maybe you're filled with regret because you look at your past and you think, man, I did this to myself. What's wrong with me? This is true of many of us because we carry these disappointments and these regrets because you know what happens? Our mind always thinks it's right. We are designed to do the right thing. And every decision we make, we think we're making the right decision. Look at this passage in Proverbs 16, verse 2. Scripture says this, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. This is true. Like I said, we are designed to do the right thing. Have you ever done something dumb, and then you try to explain what happened? And then even yourself, you go like, how, how, how did I think that was okay? How did I think that was the right thing to do? But in the moment, you did. Because we don't, we don't make decisions thinking that they're wrong. Every decision we make, we think this is the right thing to do. Now, what happens when you keep failing? What happens when you keep making decisions that you think are right, but you keep getting disappointed? Because you have the realization, my gosh, that wasn't right at all. And you look at your past and it's plastered with bad decisions that you thought was wrong. What happens then? This is what happens. You begin to have thoughts of doubt. You begin to have thoughts of defeat. And hope begins to die because you begin to think there's something wrong with me. And this is true of everybody who has gone through financial difficulty, even to the point of bankruptcy. This is true of everybody who's had a business who has gone under. Everyone who's had a relationship that has failed. You look back and you think, what did I do? How did I think it was right? And then it was wrong. There must have been something wrong with me. If you've had failure in your life, there's that level of disappointment. But the disappointment is not really that you tried and you didn't make it. The disappointment is not necessarily that you couldn't achieve it. The worst part is that hope died. Is that you looked at that situation and you're like, I don't know if I can ever do something like that again. I don't know if I can pick myself up and start again. I don't know if I can can summon the the capacity to do that again, I'm just going to shut off this part of my life and be successful in the areas that I'm okay with. We don't want to face those demons. We don't want to face that reality. You believed, you wanted, you hoped, you committed, you invested, and then you lost. It's too much. One of the things that hurts me the most, that really makes my heart ache, is to see somebody live beneath their potential. Have you ever seen somebody like that? Maybe you have a family member, somebody who's your friend, and you know they're made for more. You know they can do so much more. But they're just held back. And you want to help them. You want to you help them see how much greater life can be if they can overcome those challenges. But they can't. That really hurts me. People that settle because they stop believing. People that lo- have lost their faith. People that have had their disappointments that were too great. They've given up on relationships because they've gone be- for, uh, through be- uh, betrayal. They've given up their dreams because they've seen failure or gone through failure so many times. And their confidence is gone because of the hardships. And even though they're full of potential, like I said, they just gave up. I believe that's not going to be your story. I believe that will not be your story. And if you're here today, I want to tell you that God wants to give you a new hope. If you've gone through any of these things, and there are areas in your life where hope has died. God wants to give you a new hope. God wants to share his life with you so that you can live in his plan. This is one of the reasons why Alini and I are here and we have embraced the mission of this church and we have planted this church. This is the reason why our team gets together to set up this service for you every single week, even through a pandemic. That's why we haven't stopped as a church having services, whether it's online or in person, every single week we're encouraging you. We're speaking faith into you. We're speaking faith into our community because we believe that God has, for more, has more for you and he wants you to live in his plan. And you can count on this church to encourage you. You can counter this church to speak faith into you. You can counter this church into being in your corner and speaking life into you so that you can see hope rise again and and believe God's call for your life. See, our mission here as a church is not to look at your failures. It's not to look at your past and say, "Mm, I don't know about you. We all have failures. We all have disappointments. We're looking at God's call. And God has a call for your life, for you to rise and get to the best uh, optimal uh, kind of life that he has for you, a life full of peace, full of joy, that, that you may walk in his promises and freedom and know that you are a child of God, that you can go over uh, and, and get over these situations. Amen? You're receiving it today? having a good time in that community in these premium seats. <laughs> <laughs> to do that, you got to get your mind right. And I think, you know what one of the hardest things for us is? One of the, what's one of the hardest things? I think it's, it's really hard for us to be okay with the fact that we're not supposed to go down a path. We're not supposed to. Or we, we want to. It's, it's, it's hard for us to be okay with not making a decision, not making a move that we're not supposed to, but we want to. We want that relationship. We want make, to make that decision because in our mind it, it looks right. It's hard for us not to make that decision. So I wanna, I wanna talk a little bit today and give you some practical, practical uh, um, steps on how to get your mind. Right? Because imagine how much better life would be if we could live with that freedom. Without those negative strongholds. Free from all those viruses. Right? Let me go to the scripture. Matthew chapter 22 verses 36 through 40. This is a question that Jesus got, got from somebody. Uh, they, they asked him this. Teacher, which is the greater, great commandment in the law? Verse 37, Jesus said this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second one like it is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Basically what Jesus was saying is, everything that has been taught on how to live right, on how to get your life in line with God's way of living... Up unto this point, hinges on these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your soul, all your spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. See, the Hebrew way of thinking doesn't have a word to describe the mind, the heart, and the spirit. It's it's they describe it all together. They don't they don't describe them individually. And we, we in, our, in our English language, we can fall into the error of, of making too much of a distinction between the mind, the heart, and the spirit. We can think that the mind is just relegated to thoughts. The mind is just relegated to, specifically, our, 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 our brain capacity. But the reality is that the spirit, the soul, and the mind are deeply connected. Your thoughts and feelings are always intertwined. Have you noticed that we think about what we love? Have you noticed that we think about what we hate? Our mind is deeply involved. We think about what we want. We think about what we don't want. Our thoughts can drive us to tears. I don't know if this happens to you, but sometimes I'll be by myself in the car, driving somewhere, and I'll laugh all by myself because I'm remembering something funny that happened. Does that happen to you? Am I, am I the crazy one? I'll be sitting in the office. Uh, we work from home sometimes, and my wife is sitting next to me, and I'll just bust out laughing. Like I'll smile, and she's like, What's going on? I was like, I just remember something. It was just so funny. It happened like a year ago. But it would just pop in my mind. Why? Because our emotions are all intertwined. Your mind and your spirit and your soul, they're all connected. Your mind is everything that has to do with your non-physical, the, the non-physical part of you. And Jesus is saying that the greatest commandment is to love God with all your mind. How do you do that? How do you love God with all your mind. There's something about loving God with your mind. That realigns your thinking. There's something about loving God with your mind. That rebuilds your faith. There's something about loving God with your mind. That gets your mind right. So how do you do that? We're going to go to the four points today. Very practical. To help you. Love God with your mind. So you can get your mind right. The first one. Very simply. Is one word. Believe. Believe. See, most people have no idea the effects and the significance of belief. We've we've lived in a a way of of thinking in the past hundred years where the persistent idea is that it's really smart to doubt. You can be be as smart as a cabbage, as Dallas Willard said. But if you look at somebody and say, "Mm, I don't know about that. You sound so smart. And the truth is that there are two kinds of people in the world. People who are shaped by their belief and people who are shaped by their unbelief. People who are about what they believe and people who are about what they don't believe. See, we think that today that it's really smart to doubt. Doubt the laws, doubt the friends, doubt the family, doubt the Bible, doubt the faith, doubt if you doubt. You're a smart person. But the the truth is that unbelief profits you nothing. Unbelief leads you to a a life of stagnation. It reduces the realm of your possibilities. It reduces the realm of experiences. You know why? Because belief drives action. When you believe, you're driven toward action. A person who believes in God prays. They engage their faith. A person who doesn't believe in God does nothing. A person who believes in new opportunities, they go out and they knock on doors, they knock on closed doors, they start conversations, they go into uh, they make cold phone calls, right? You have anybody in sales here? Why do you, if you're in sales and you pick up a phone to call somebody you've never talked to before, why do you do that? Because you believe that on the other side of that phone call, there's a new opportunity. There's a new uh, 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 sale or a new deal that you're going to get to. A person who believes does that. A person who doesn't believe, they will never go and knock on doors. They will never pick up the phone. They do nothing. Why? Because we believe, so we act. Belief drives our actions. Now, obviously, we gotta test the spirits, we gotta question, we gotta, we gotta have some sort of, of le- a level of sorting through what we are what we are believing in. Don't be naive. But also don't go through life being go through life being a doubter. That will do you no good. If you think that's so smart doubting, because you know, you can't believe in anything out there. And you let that unbelief grow. You'll lead a life of stagnation. Be a believer. Listen to this passage in John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. John writes this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. It starts with belief. Your relationship with God starts With belief. Your journey of faith starts with belief. The reshaping of your mind starts with belief. And as you believe in Jesus, as you believe in His words, as you believe in His way of life, you become a child of God. This is what John is teaching us in this passage that this process happens by the Spirit of God. It's not on you to become like God, it's not on you to become Christ like. You had to believe, open your heart, connect to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will begin to transform you. Transform your way of thinking. Transform how you see the world. It's by faith. It's not by might. It's, it's not your effort. It's God's grace entering your life and transforming you as you believe. As you focus on believing in Jesus, He gives you a new birth. And you begin to live and operate in the will of God. So that's the first thing we got to do. we got to believe. And I hope you decide today to be a believer The second thing is this. One word as well. Confess. There's so much power in what you say. It's so important to pay attention to what you're confessing. Because words direct your life. Did you know that? Look at this scripture. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. What you say will come back to you. What you say you will experience. So what have you been saying about yourself and your life? Are you blessing your life? Are you blessing your future? Are you blessing your family? Are you blessing your house? Are you blessing your place of of work? Or are you constantly complaining, saying negative things, noticing what's wrong, and speaking that into your life? Are you speaking defeat over your life, or are speaking victory? See, to get your mind right, you have to say the right things. To get your mind right, you got to say the right things. You got to confess the blessings. You got to speak what God speaks over you. And then there's another aspect of confession that's really important, because we don't only have good things to say, right? Sometimes you go through situations that are bad. Sometimes we sin. Sometimes we do things that we didn't mean to. But here's the important thing about confession. you got to speak what's right so that you can reassure in your spirit and you can live what's right. This is what James says about confession when it comes to confessing our sins. James 5.16 Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Very important here. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. This is a powerful, powerful scripture. And this is what I hope that we are building here as a church. That we're building relationships and connections. Where you know that you have people in your corner. Where it's safe for you to open up about what's going on in your life it's safe for you to come with a problem that you have faced or something that you have done so that you can confess it. Because when you confess in repentance, there's healing. When you confess something that you've done, man, I, I, I messed up. Man, I, 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 I shouldn't have done that. Friend, let me tell you, let me tell you what I went through and, and how I got entrapped in this thing and, and ended up making a big mistake. When you confess that, it's not even that somebody's going to give you solution. It's just the act of speaking out. The act of confession, there's healing in it. And as the scripture says, as you pray for one another, then uh, um, God operates in great power uh, as you confess to one another. Let me encourage you to do that. Confession is really, really important. Next one is number three, uh, is Hear. It's very important what you give your ears to. And I want to encourage you to practice selective hearing. It's really important. Parents know very much what selective hearing is. We, uh, we know what to hear and we know what not to listen to at home with little kids. There's a story in the scripture um, where a man called Jairus, it's a very well known story, he's the ruler of the synagogue. He's, he's one of the Jewish rulers and his daughter was really sick and it was about to die she was about to die and so he came to Jesus, which is already surprising because rulers of the Jewish uh, religion back in those days didn't really, they didn't really like Jesus but Jairus was open to believing in Jesus so he came to Jesus and Asked Jesus to come because his daughter was really sick. So Jesus answered and as Jesus was going to his house, you might know the story. On the way, Jesus was interrupted. There was a woman who had been sick for 12 years. And she, in faith, thought, if I could just get to Jesus and touch him. And touch his garment, I'll be healed. And that's exactly what happened. She cut through the the crowd, touched Jesus, received healing... And during that interruption, Jesus noticed it, tried to meet the woman. He felt like power f- uh, went out of him. And as Jesus is meeting the woman and interacting with her, Jairus' friend, Jairus is right here on the side watching everything happen. That's where, I want you to think about yourself in Jairus's, being in Jairus' uh, shoes right now, right? Jairus is in front of Jesus and watching Jesus heal somebody. And then Jairus' friend come rushing. Uh, his friends come rushing from his home telling him, listen, don't bother the master anymore because your daughter died. She's passed away, so there's no more hope. What would you do if you were in that situation? Because here he is, almost there, halfway there, and he gets interrupted, by this other person wanting the same thing that he came to get from Jesus. And now his daughter, his dad, is dead. How do you deal with bad news? See, sometimes we have, we go through circumstances just like Jairus. Right? We start a project, we begin something new, we start a program, and then we get halfway there. The offer was made, the pitch was done, it looks favorable. Conversations were had, there was some sort of commitment, but then something else gets in the way, and all that you were working for just falls through. Your worst fear comes to pass, everything falls through. See, Jairus' faith went from 100 to zero. I wonder if you've ever seen or been through a situation like that where, man, you, you got so close. So close, and then everything just—the worst happened. Listen to what the scriptures say about that story and Jesus' response. While he was still speaking, there they came, there came uh, from the ruler's house some who said, "Your daughter, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further?" Uh, Mark chapter five, verse thirty-five, verse thirty-six. But overhearing what, what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. I want you to learn a lesson from Jairus. It's going to sound a little churchy, okay? But it's not over until God says it's over. And I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you have faced. But it's not over until God says it's over and for you to get your mind right, some of you need to practice selective hearing because you've had so many negative things said, so many hopeless things spoken over you. It's not going to happen. It's not going to be good. Don't even try. Don't move any further. It's Just don't put your faith in that thing. It's hopeless. There is one voice you need to hear and one voice only and that is God's voice. When God says something's over, Then he will guide you to the next step. But when God says it's not over, it's not over. And sometimes things are great. And they're moving forward. And God says it's over. And if you stay, you find out really quickly why God said it's over. And and sometimes it looks like it's not going to happen. Like things are horrible. And God says, nope, not over. Keep going. I got to tell you, when we moved from Houston, Texas, to Stanford, Connecticut to start this church, things were great. We didn't have to move. We had a house. had just purchased a house a year prior. I had just become parents. We were connected to a great family of friends and old-time friends. We had been there for a decade. Our kids were growing together. Everything looked like this was forever. And then God just put the seed in our hearts to move to Stanford, Connecticut and start a church. And we're like, it's, Are you saying it's over, God? And God spoke to my wife and I in multiple occasions, in various ways, saying, Houston is over. So we moved here. Now, after we moved here, there were at least three times, but several times, where we thought, this is not, gonna, it's not going to happen. You guys don't even know how close we've come to closing down, okay? I don't put that, I don't put that pressure on you. We go to God with those problems. <laughs> but every time, every time, what God would speak in our spirit is, do not fear, only believe. Just like Jairus, just keep going. It's not over. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you. If you, if you open your heart, God will speak to you succinctly. He will use any and all kinds of ways to speak to you if you're open and sincere in his presence. This last week, I spent, um, I spent five days with some pastors in the mountains of Wyoming uh, in the pastor's retreat. And I'm, I'm, I'm like up high, about 7,500 feet. And we're climbing this hill going to over 8,000 feet on the back of horses. And For some reason, they gave me the, the, the slowest horse. Uh, These are trail horses, but, like, I'm here, and the rest of the horses are, like, way out there in the sound booth. And and I'm getting frustrated because I don't like it. Um, My wife knows how frustrated I was because we were very competitive. I wanted to be in the front of the pack. But the person guiding us said, well, you're you're riding Waffles. Waffles needs to go in the back because Waffles is 20 years old. And there we go with waffles, but here's the thing about waffles. You can't sleep on waffles. Because waffles is not slow because he's, he's not slow because he's weak. Waffles is slow because he's wise. He knows exactly where he's going. He's done that trail his whole life. He knows where he's going. And I'm getting frustrated. I'm kicking waffles. Come on, waffles. This is not us, buddy. Let's go. Let's get there. And I really get frustrated and I feel the Holy Spirit just in my heart. Like, J.D., you're really frustrated with waffles, but you're not frustrated with waffles, right? You're frustrated because things are getting, uh, taking time. And they're taking longer than you, th- than you thought. And some things are developing at, at a different pace than you thought. But just like, you know, this horse you're on, God speaks through horses, guys. I felt the Holy Spirit saying, Wisdom will get you there. You don't have to kick in. You don't have to be frustrated. You're going to get there. So just relax. In that moment, I just switched my spirit. I'm going to get there. Waffles are going to get me there. And Waffles got me there. And it was beautiful and windy. I wish I would have thought of sharing this story with you because you just came to me because I would sh- send you a picture. Your pastor was sitting with a cowboy hat on a horse in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. It's pretty cool but I don't have the picture. You can... You can no, I'm not going to share the picture. <laughs> Listen to the voice of God. God will speak to you in a way that will silence every other voice. Practice selective hearing so that you can get your mind right. And the fourth and last thing is this. Nurture. you got to nurture your mind with good things. You got to nurture your thoughts with good things. And I'll tell you, when you feed your mind with the right thoughts, things will begin to change. Here's the problem that we have faced in the, na- in the last two years. As you get away from people face-to-face, because we're all nice face-to-face, right? And I'm not saying that people are not nice. People are nice. But somehow, when we switch from face-to-face to black letters on a white screen people get meaner have you noticed that and and headlines are horrible and comments the comment line is oh you see the worst in people there and it's so easy for you to feed on the wrong things man i was i was away from everything for like we didn't have internet or phone like i didn't touch my phone for 5 days and you don't know how awesome it was i was really nervous cuz you know but but you don't know how awesome it was. There was no politics. There was no COVID. There was no, no anything. And, and it was great. I challenge you to practice that. Just silence the negative voices and choose to put good things in you. Read good books. Read the scriptures. Pray. Meditate on God's word. And you will see a difference. Uh, everybody knows Michael Phelps, the greatest Olympian of all time, right? The swimmer. He, he's... He is still to this day the greatest Olympian of all time. The guy who has gotten most medals, most gold medals at all, uh, uh, from uh, overall every, every other uh, Olympian. Uh, and, but Michael Phelps developed a, a practice early on in his career, in his teens. His swimming coach, after every practice, would tell him, when you get home tonight, before you go to bed, you play the tape. And in the morning, when you wake up, you play the tape. And of course, the tape is not the recording of his practice. The tape was Michael Phelps envisioning himself running the perfect race. So every night, he would picture himself running the perfect race. Every stroke, every breath, every movement, Michael Phelps envisioned it. Every night and every morning. That's what he thought. That's what he fed his mind with. Before Michael Phelps ever won a single Olympic medal, he had won hundreds of medals in his mind. He trained his mind before he trained his body. Now, of course, you have to do the work. Of course, you got you to you engage life. Of course, you have to apply yourself. But it all begins in the mind. Let me encourage you to nurture your mind the, with the right thoughts. Listen to what Jesus said. John 15, chapter 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot uh, bear fruit unless, uh, by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus is saying, stay connected. Read your Bible. Open your heart to God. Spend time in prayer. Constant prayer. Share your life in, with people of faith. And allow your life to be connected to divine As you abide in Christ, your mind is changed. As you're constantly meditating on what God has for you, your mind begins to change. And you begin to gain that mind of Christ that the scripture talks, the scripture talks about. The mind of God that is able to discern what is good and what is evil. That's able to properly discern so that you can make decisions and move life with the right, right mind. I believe God wants you to bear much fruit and that He's calling you to live the kind of life that is full of faith. Let me encourage you to win the battle in the mind by loving God with all your mind. Now, I have no doubt that the enemy is going to bombard you. The enemy will bombard your mind with thoughts of defeat. He will try to get you to believe the wrong things, to say the wrong things, to hear the wrong things, and to nurture your body and your mind with the wrong things, to feed on the wrong things. But don't fall for that trap. From today, make a decision. In your heart and your spirit, make a decision. I will be a believer. I will not be a doubter. I will confess victory. I'm not going to confess defeat. Say, I will hear and follow the voice of God, not the voice of the enemy. And I will nurture my mind by abiding in Jesus the author, and the finish of my faith. And if you do that, I believe you will discover the love of God with all your mind, and you will not only face the difficulties, but you will overcome everything in Jesus' name. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. It's good to have you here. Worship team, come on up. Amen.